You know, I'm always saying on the show that the topics that actually make it right here are because, well, let's face it, I'm going through them too. I've got one in college and one on the way, and believe me, I'm right there with you. Hey, thanks for finding the Cool Dad Rules. My name is Bill Adams. Now, you may be thinking, all right, wait a minute. I dodged a bullet here. My kids are really small. I don't have to worry about this yet. I think what we're about to, in fact, I know this right now, it's never too early to start planning for this. But the second thing I think we're about to find out together is if, you, if you're smart about it in a non-traditional, possibly kind of way, maybe we're going to be surprised that there's actually a way to pay for colleges you thought were way, way out of your budget. And the guy that's going to explain all this to us is Justin Duncombe. He's the author of College Bound Strategies, also a financial advisor. He's been there. He's been there doing this, counseling thousands of families going through exactly just this. So first of all, Justin, thanks for being here. This is a busy time for a lot of families going through this exact thing right now, isn't it? Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is a really busy busy time for this. In fact, uh, I've spent my past several weeks helping people do financial aid applications to help make sure they don't make these mistakes. So Definitely a very busy time. <laughs> let's start. With, let's start with the obvious stuff first. I said there in the introduction. You know what? It's just one of those things. You. It, it's true. You don't want to hear it when you're like, you know, dealing with kids in diapers. But still, it's really never too early to start planning, right? Oh, it's never too early. Probably one of the questions I get asked the most is. You know, how early should you really start planning? And my, I always kind of joke around birth. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> right. it, and it, it's partially a joke, but it's really not because you know. The cost of education these days, if you look at the list price, you know, two hundred and twenty-five to two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. That's oh, yeah. as much as it takes to raise your kid from birth to eighteen. Sure. And you're looking at paying that in four years. You might want to plan on saving up for that or at least planning about what you might do about that a little bit ahead of time. You're you're exactly right. And uh, you know, a lot of people can do that if you're smart enough, certainly smarter than I was. I mean, we 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 definitely saved, but I mean we were kind of you know, late in the game, considered considering what you're talking about here. But if you do that, what are the advantages of starting really, really, really young? Why? Is it interest you can build up? So if you start really young, yes, it's interest you can build up. But one of the things you have to think about first is what am I actually going to be saving for? Mm. And what I mean by that is the the cost of college isn't necessarily what you think. So let's say I have a family that makes, and this is a real example from a couple of years ago, they make about $140,000 or so, and they want to send their kid to, you know, the Harvards, the Browns, the Johns Hopkins, those kinds of schools. You know, those are in these days terms, $75,000 a year school, the time they were $65,000. This looks like something that's pretty insurmountable cost-wise. But if you look at the family and how they save and how they have their income and things like that, the cost to them is only about you know, ten to thirteen thousand dollars a year. Hmm. So that's half the price. And this was in California. So that's half the price of a California state school. It's a third the price of a UCLA or any other UC. So what we have a problem with in some families' cases, you can actually save too much. We have a family right wow. now that if you save a bunch in 529s and they have you know four kids, the value of all four 529s right. count against the first kid that goes. See, that's one of those things, though. This is why people get intimidated. They think it's way, way too complicated, Justin, and they'd never be able to remember <laughs> that. But that's a factor, isn't it? I wrote that in my notes to ask you that. You can actually show too much on the books, can't you? Yes, you can. And that has to do specifically with need-based schools. There's about 130, 140 of them out there. Uh, there's about 200 schools that ask questions like that. So that's just the schools that are need-based only, meaning they have their list price, they ask you what you make and how much you save, 
and then they basically charge you the difference based on this calculation. Mm -hmm. But that's only a few hundred schools. There's also schools that are need-based and merit-based where you can have a lot of income, a lot of things saved, but your student can still get a merit-based scholarship and your savings and things like that are, are less important. And how you figure out these schools is actually something you can figure out online. There's a thing called a net price calculator on mm-hmm. the school's website. And this will actually let you put in how much you have, how much you make, and it will tell you a realistic idea of what the school will charge. You cover a lot of the, and you do it, I don't want to say mistake-based, but you're trying to get people away from those pitfalls and college-bound strategies. That's a big one right there is showing too much. It's kind of like showing your hand you know, to the people oh, yeah. that would be doling out money. What's another big one to make? So the big one to make is people put their retirement account in the wrong spot. So when you do your FAFSA, which is the free application for federal student aid, it's the main application that every school has you do, by the way. Uh, if, you have, if you have a student going to school right now, it's something you should probably be doing if you haven't already done it. Yep. But the FAFSA only asks three things when it comes to your savings. It asks for your cash checking savings. It asks for your investments. And it asks for the value of any farm you don't live on or a business that has more than 100 employees. But when people get to the investments one, they see stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and they yeah. go, oh, I have those in my retirement account. I should put down my retirement account. Even though it says, don't put down your retirement account, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people do it every single year. <laughs> and if you have a retirement of kind of a couple hundred grand by the time you're in your 50s, you're costing yourself literally tens of thousands of dollars per year in college costs. That is wild, though. What is the, okay, like you said, it's so funny because you'll see it on an application. A lot of us, you know, I've gone through it. A lot of people listening have. You, it, you're right. The instructions say don't put that on there. Is it like, it can't be an ego thing. What are you trying to do? Put down extra to to prove that you're worth it? I don't know, I don't know why they do that. Uh, so I've done applications with families for more than 10 years. I can tell you the reason that that is nine times out of 10, if not every 10 times out of 10 is they are worried that if they accidentally don't disclose something, they're going to punish their kids. Oh, really? And so okay. they would rather, they would rather over expose themselves. They'd yeah. rather over, over, ex, over detail everything to try and not make a mistake. Cause they're afraid of getting in trouble or their kids going to get doxxed somehow with wow. their financial aid. It's they're afraid of that kind of thing. And in reality, there's just actually making the situation worse. And when you're talking about, you know, how do you figure this out when you're really early on? Well, if you think of the kind of the kind of schools you're thinking of and you take a look at your income, well, it's based off of your income more than anything else. So Mm -hmm. if you have a lower level income, then most schools are not going to charge you as much unless you're talking out of state school. Right. If you're talking about saving for college depending on your income level, you may or may not want to use one of those education savings accounts. You may just want to save more in your own type of account. And that way you have the flexibility of using it on college. You have the flexibility Mm -hmm. of using it on something else. While there are tax benefits of using college savings accounts, we have a client right now, they have four kids and they're only going to look at using maybe a third to a quarter of the whole savings they have. Mm -hmm. So they're going to end up with all this extra money in these college savings accounts which now they're going to have to pay tax on and they're going to have to pay a 10% penalty to get it out. That's a real so, use it or lose it. I mean, you, de- you definitely yeah. don't want to leave anything on the table there. Yeah. So there is a value to using education savings accounts, Yeah. but there is a such thing as saving too much in them. So wow. when you take a look at your income and you, and that's kind of what the beginning of this calculation is based on, if you run it through a couple college calculators when your kids are young and you say, okay, here's what you might have to save, then you know, that's kind of your threshold to save in the 529s. And mm-hmm. if you want to save a bunch extra, 
use your own savings accounts, use your own investment accounts. And then that's, that's kind of a, a good middle ground to go. I mean, there's obviously no right or wrong answer because mm-hmm. you can move 529s around. Um, you can use Roth accounts. You can use a bunch of different things because uh, Roth accounts, you still get tax deferred and you can pull the principal out to pay. So these are all different uh, strategies you have of being able to pay for college in ways that aren't just limited to 529 accounts. Exactly. But speaking of the 529s, and then there's also state-based ones. And, oh, uh, you know, in Florida, we have Florida prepaid, which where they, they claim, you know, that you can lock in college prices. You pay to, you know, whatever age when you when you get the deal what's better to go with the state-backed ones and they're all over the country or like a 529 what's better so and this is just my personal opinion if you're going to choose one or the other you're better off with the 529 plans most of the time mm-hmm. the state-based ones usually limit you and this again depends on the state and you really have to pay attention to what your state offers Every state has different limitations on how you use that program. Sure. Many of the state ones limit you to only going in-state. So if you want to go to an out-of-state school or you get an out-of-state scholarship, you have a bunch of money locked in something that's harder to use and harder to get it back out. And I know one of the selling points is, well, but if you decide to go to uh, Arizona State, even though if you live in Florida, you're not going to lose the money. Yeah, but you could have been investing it, right? Yes, that's exactly true. Yeah. That's what I always thought with those, but it's still, but at least it's savings. I mean, that's, you know, you're getting people to actually think about it anyway, right? Yep. That's one of those things. It's better to have done it than not, but it is at the same time, you know, it's, it's more limited than what you can use. So if you're going to save, you know, have that same discipline, mm-hmm. just do it in something more flexible if that's the way you want to go, because you never know what your kid's going to want to do. You never know if, right. you know, you know, the thing that's been increasing right now is you have a lot of students that aren't wanting necessarily or don't think their future is in college. Right. While college is very, very important, it's not the end all be all. And you have a lot of groups like Facebook, Microsoft, Google, who increasingly they don't want their programmers necessarily coming from college True. because they feel your first two years of programming in college are obsolete by the time you graduate. Yep. So having a certification is something that these guys also want. We I know did. one of the one of the top programmers in Microsoft, kind of interesting, used to be a trucker, taught himself coding. Now he's one of the top programmers in Microsoft. Wow. So, you know, there's all sorts of really cool stories. And yeah. obviously that also shows you're never limited in any time of your life, too. But it just shows that you don't necessarily have to have the college education to do that kind of job. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, we've done multiple segments on, you know, is college worth it? It's a changing landscape now. And I think what fueled that talk out there is – the the rising debt after college, you know, where you got some kids. Listen, no offense to liberal arts schools, I went to one too. But if you're spending two hundred grand on one, and you're coming out making twenty grand a year, not a good investment. But with that said, if you're trying to, you know, on our focus this morning talking about this, Justin, if we're trying to get loans here, is it is it too risky to try to just, you know, put everything on uh, on the kid to apply because they don't have any money? So that's an interesting question. So if you're trying to have a kid go to college, it's what they call an emancipated minor. So they're, you know, going on their own. You actually have to disown your child. Oh, wow. So there are a series series of questions within the financial aid application, whether it's the FAFSA or the CSS. The CSS is the other application that a lot of private schools have you do. Uh, The one I mentioned that up to 200 schools have you do. those things actually ask a series of questions at the beginning. Are your parents deceased? Have you ever been a warden of the court? Uh, have right. you ever been a veteran? Are you married? Do you have a child of your own? These are all student, all the questions asked of a student. If you answer no to all of them, mm. 
you're a, you're an education dependent and you're technically an education dependent until you're 24 right. or you have your first bachelor's degree. And I have known some families because other family members had better uh, details at certain colleges. I've actually known a couple of people that have legally disowned their child oh, to another member of the family so that way they can get education benefits. That's not something I'm recommending, by the way. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, But it is something that I have seen, whereas I have also seen people that I've heard after the fact that have you know, tried to basically lie their way through the application. Right. More than a third of all college applications on the financial side are audited. And so I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen to you, but it probably won't be good if you're lying to the school saying your kid's emancipated when they're still living with you and you're paying for everything and all that jazz. It's probably not a good idea. So the only way you're really talking about doing that legitimately is a legally you have to do the paperwork and you're talking about your student being on their own, like mm. not being able to come and live with you. You can't help pay for college. You can't do those things. Right. If you emancipate your kid. Yeah. Not worth the risk. And, and by the way, all the strategies we're talking about completely legal, like you're just being smart about it. Not, not something that, that extreme that you would talk about, you know, uh, in college bound strategies. But as we wrap up here, Justin, talking about this kind of stuff, there's a lot of, I don't want to say this hidden benefits here or hidden money, but there's always those specialty like scholarships or grants that pop up. Is there a certain way, and this may not be your, your exact expertise, but is there a certain way or place to find those? So that's a great question, but there also is a positive and a negative of these. So the first thing I'll give you is there are places called fastwebscholarships.com. My book, College Bound Strategies, the entire back of the book is actually a resources section that gives you all the resources you need to do this. Excellent. It tells you where to go to look up all these college costs. So the Department of Education has a link where you can input the name of any school. It will take you to that school's net price calculator, and you can look up this information for yourself at any school because all the schools have to have them. Sure. Um, where the FAFSA, the CSS is, how you go about applying to scholarships if you want to talk to your high school counselor or an outside counselor. All the places of where you would ask about this, the entire back of the book is a resource section for this. So when you're talking about these outside scholarships, FastWeb, scholarships.org, scholarships.com, these are all places where you can look for these funny little outside scholarships. And they can be from, you know, different ethnicities, different oh, yeah. genders. If you're left-handed, right-handed, have <laughs> eyes of two different color. They have redheads, left-handed people. There's all sorts of scholarships. But there is a catch. What's that? If you are going to some private schools, they will count them against you. Oh, really? So let me give, let me give you an example. A couple of years ago, this was a friend of ours. She got a presidential scholarship to uh, – it was a school in the Midwest. I'm not going to say which one. But she got a scholarship there because she was supposed to play a sport, but her scholarship was for um, her family's financials. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, you're going to get $40,000 from us. The school's $55,000. Now the school costs is fifteen grand. When you when you get rid of books and travel, your actual bill that year is ten grand a year for college. That's not a bad deal, right? But her dad worked for a grocers union back in the day, so she applied to that, and she got ten thousand dollars. So she's thinking, great, I made up the difference. I don't I don't have a college cost. Here's what the school does. Okay, we're going to give you forty, or you can take your ten and we'll give you thirty. Pick one. Oh wow! So that's a most, lot different. Most private schools do that. Mm -hmm. Many state schools do that. Now there are places like, uh, for instance, I know this because I was recently there, uh, all the schools in Utah, the Utah state schools don't do that. So mm -hmm. they will actually, that, that's called scholarship stacking. 
So you have any other scholarships from the school or outside, they will stack them on top of each other and it cuts down your bill. Sure. Many, many other schools, for the most part, not all, but many, stack them in their favor. So if you're getting outside scholarships, you're just saving the school money and you're wasting a bunch of your time. Again, something you, you normally wouldn't be aware of unless you've gone through it once or you're in touch with somebody like you. And no, oh, in fact, you, Justin Duncombe, yeah. College Bound Strategies, that's the book. I imagine it's, it's available on Amazon, right? It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Lulu.com, any other place books are sold. There's also my webpage, collegeboundstrategies.com. Uh, on there, you'll see it links to the book. There's also a GoFundMe because we we do a talk. That's actually where the book came from. We do talks at local high schools. Great. That's basically a half hour, pres- half hour to 45-minute presentation basically on the topic of the book. And there were many schools that didn't actually want us to come in most notably if they had disadvantaged kids. And we thought that was kind of curious. They just said it wasn't right for their demographic. Well, if you're a disadvantaged family, most of your colleges are already free. So you want to go to a private school and you make less than $60,000, $70,000. You're paying next to nothing. Yep. So there's a lot of advantages disadvantaged families already have, but a lot of these schools wouldn't have it. So I started to go fund me to raise money to donate the book to disadvantaged kids. That information's on that website as well. And there's also our Facebook page, which is which is soon to convert over to an Instagram page, uh, where you can see some of our interviews and other questions we've answered with other folks or things we've posted there. Um, but yeah, those are all the places you can find us online. But definitely go to collegeboundstrategies.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble to find the book. That is awesome, Justin Duncombe. Thanks for the information, everyone. But you're really – I think you're boiling down what can be a very intimidating and confusing process – and making it easy for everybody. And it's, it's really, really important. I appreciate your time. I'd love to have you back on again soon. Thank you. I'd be happy to. Thank you for finding the Cool Dad Rules. As always, my name is Bill Adams. You can always find us online as well, the Facebook page, the Instagram under Cool Dad Rules Podcast, and subscribing, downloading, wherever you get your podcasts online. We'll talk to you soon.